Amen. I was standing at the back of the room and everybody was looking around going, where's he at? <laughs> I ran away. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so good morning, everybody. It is, uh, it is my pleasure to be up here and preaching today. Pastor Corey, thank you for uh, relinquishing your pulpit for the morning. I think most pastors despise doing that, including yourself probably, so thank you. Uh, but all the same, uh, just, a, just a quick thing. Several people, and I figured I'd address it now, several people have addressed me about my tie. And uh, I figured with all the kids that were coming in costume tonight, I might as well dress like a preacher today, okay? And so uh, with that in mind, if you would, let's go ahead and begin turning in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Somehow I've gotten my pages out of order here. That's, that bodes well. All right, so, um, yeah, once again, really grateful to be up here. Thank you all again for all of your love this month. It has been such a wonderful thing, and not just this month, but um, all the time. Uh, I have only had one other church, but my experience there was not one of love and respect, and so it is a blessing to be here with you all. Thank you so much. Um, as you continue turning, because I, I still hear pages, uh, just to let you know uh, an update, Leela and I, on October the 8th through the 11th, were blessed to be able to go to a, uh, a conference um, in Nashville, Tennessee. It was a next-gen conference. It was called ETCH, E-T-C-H. No, I don't remember what the acronym stands for. It is an acronym. Uh, but, it, but it was this next-gen conference, and I have spent a significant amount of time uh, after that thinking about the things we heard um, and the things that, that we learned, and there was a common theme that stuck in my mind during those days there and since afterward, and we're going to talk about it today, uh, and that, that would be the word anxiety. Um, and so, so anxiety is something that I think many of us probably experience, all of us to some degree, of course, experience anxiety, some experience it more than others. Uh, my, my wife struggles with some anxiety issues, and there's some others here I know that struggle with that. And so uh, learning about that while we were in Nashville was a surprise to me. It's not what I was expecting to hear. And uh, the Holy Spirit has worked on my heart about those things since then. And so just, just for a, uh, a touchstone of why that is, let me tell you just a, just a little quick statistic here. Uh, it, it turns out that the defining characteristic of Gen Z, which is 1996 to 2010, okay, which would be our teenagers and, and uh, young people, 18, 22, that kind of thing, uh, the defining characteristic is that 48% of Gen Z has claimed to have moderate to extreme depression due to anxiety. 48%. That's basically 50% of the population uh, of the Gen Z population our teenagers and young people have claimed to be depressed uh, because of anxiety. And so uh, I think we're seeing some things that were either handled differently or we haven't seen before with our young people today. And uh, as I began to process this fact, I, I, I read basically everything in Scripture I could find about anxiety, worry, fear, uh, and what God says about it. I listened to more than a score of sermons on the topic, and uh, basically they just went over those same scriptures, right? And so I, I now believe that anxiety is something that touches all of our lives. Peter wrote about it in A.D. 64 or so, and 
I would like to read a couple of verses of scripture about it this morning. So if you would, please stand with me. And uh, in the honor of the reading of God's word, we're going to read in 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 6. 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 6. It says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you know the state of our hearts and minds this morning. It's our prayer that you would work your will in us. May this be a reminder of your love and goodness today. May we hear your word and accept it as it is. Grant us the grace that we need that we could be more effective disciples for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Whoever chimed in that amen, I like it. Thank you. So when Peter penned this letter, uh, Christianity would have been, at the time, in a constant state of anxiety. Uh, Rome was beginning to develop its, well, it had already begun, but it was quickly ramping up its uh, persecution of Christians at this time. Uh, Christians would have been fearful for their lives. They would have been fearful for their businesses. Christian-owned businesses would have been shut down or closed or destroyed. Uh, we know that uh, uh, Christians themselves were uh, burnt at the stake and, and tossed into um, uh, uh, places with live animals that would eat them alive. And uh, I mean, persecuted, you know, what, what, we, what we mean when we say persecuted. That's what was beginning to happen and would, would uh, be more so. They were moving more towards that. And so um, as all this is going on, Peter can basically tell, right, the, the climate. He knows the heart of his people and he can hear them. And so he, he does this. He writes this letter. And, you know, I believe, interestingly enough, that as we read this, though we may not be able to understand the extent of the persecution, we can begin to see some things in our own culture, right, that, that echo this to some degree. Christian businesses for two decades now have been sued for not serving same-sex couples. Uh, all, all sorts of things are happening in the world. COVID happened, and the one place that, that for sure was going to shut down was the church, right? We, we see it. It's, it's visible to us. And so I think that Peter, speaking to uh, the, that church he was writing to, to the, to the pastors he was writing to, the overseers, <clears throat> I think those words can apply to us in a real way today. It's become a contemporary thing that, that, uh, that we suffer from this anxiety. And so I think that it's important that we notice this first. You and I face anxiety. Anxiety is real. <laughs> and, you know, that may not be that crazy to you, but to me it was a revelation. Um, uh, I was raised by <clears throat> my dad, and some of you have met him. Uh, he is a, a self-sufficient individual, okay? He is a, uh, he is a driven man, and he is um, strong-minded. 
And, and he didn't give me all of that, but the strong mind he did give me. I, I'm a firm believer in mind over matter. I live my life that way on a daily basis. And it's one of the tenets that I preach to people often is that if we can surrender to the Holy Spirit and uh, use our mind correctly, then we can conquer just about anything. And I do believe that. Uh, but, but what that led to was an oversimplification of anxiety for me. Um, and so when I met my beautiful wife and, uh, and began to get to know her, uh, her issues were made light of, unfortunately, because I had no idea how someone could, and still don't sometimes, but don't know how someone could uh, live in such a way so fearful and so, so unrestrained emotionally. And, and I came to realize that we, and that is real. Anxiety is real. We, we face that. In a real way, uh, some of us subvert our anxiety, like myself. We we put it onto other things. Uh, some of us push it down, uh, and, and we don't have to worry about it or think it about think about it. Um, if you ever see my eye twitching, something in my life is wrong. Okay, uh, my my body will react physically because over time I will shove that stuff down so far that it has to come out somehow. And so, if if you ever see me jerk or something, that's what's happening. It's not a seizure. Uh, and so, or hopefully it's not, Lord, may, may it not be. But, but we all face this anxiety, right? We, we all uh, worry about our jobs. We worry about our kids, our cars, our schedules. We worry about our past and, more importantly, our future, right? Future fear. We worry about the weather, our personal health, catching COVID again, or what the government's going to do next. We worry about every single thing that we could possibly worry about in life. God's people are a worried people. And we're seeing that today, more than ever. I recently heard a quote in a play that said this, If olive oil is made from olives, and peanut oil is made from peanuts, I worry to think what baby oil is made from. <laughs> right? And that, that's funny. But it's satirical of the world today. In reality, it is satirical of the world because, because we're worried about the silliest simplest things all the time all the time and so so we're anxious and, and what we what we see is is that this anxiety that we all possess some more than others again but all of us possess it what it does is it distracts it destabilizes and it unfocuses our mind it, it takes our regular or normal circumstances and it warps them and fans the flames of fear in our lives. And so, once again, Peter, knowing the minds of his brethren, he, he, he writes this in verse 7. He says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for, for you. <clears throat> A lot of us, I think, and, I, you know, I've seen, I've seen this in um, uh, social media bylines. I've seen this... Uh, tattooed on someone before I've seen this verse is so widely used so often right we we see it all the time you should cast your care upon him because he cares for you he cares for you um, but I think what we're missing because we're not taking that verse out of context but but we also are literally taking it out of context because we're missing the first part of what's required to be able to do that 
okay? And that's verse 6. You can look at it again with me. Verse 6 in 1 Peter 5, 6. It says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. So, what does anxiety and humility have in common? Let me tell you a quick story. In January of 2022, Many of you will remember, because it was uh, talked about a lot, my, my mother had a heart attack and a resulting triple bypass surgery. Um, and so the day that she, she went to the emergency room, please excuse me, <coughs> the day that she went to the emergency room, uh, it, was, it was, it's crazy to me that I have to say this, there were still COVID policies in place two years later, right? Um, that if you remember, people weren't having surgeries because they were elective. People weren't able to visit their loved ones in the hospital still in 2022. And so as this happened, there was a, a, a guest list, a register. You would have two guests if you were staying long-term in the hospital. And so um, uh, my dad called me and I was there, right? I showed up. And I got there in time to meet this doctor. And I'm not going to tell you his name uh, because I have a low opinion of him. Um, but, but basically, he walked into the room. He was about five foot four. Uh, he had his hair slicked back. He had glasses on. And, uh, man, he, he, he was cocky as all get out. You, you would have thought he was a jet fighter pilot, right? I mean, he, 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 was, he was hot stuff, man. And so as he was addressing what was going to happen, uh, Miss Scoggins, we're going to do this first. We're going to have this happen. And then when all this is over, bam, you're done. You're out. And I'm going, okay, guy, that's my mom you're talking to, you know. Uh, can, we, can we be careful? And so as he walks out of the room, I look at my father and, uh, and I, said, I said something rude. I'm not going to repeat it from the pulpit. But I, I basically said, that, that guy's an, uh, a dummy, right? Um, <laughs> And he said, well, son, that, uh, I don't much care for him either. And my mother echoed that sentiment. And, and, and we moved on in the conversation, but, man, it stuck with me. That, that individual, those, those type of people just kind of stick in my craw a little bit, my personality, you know. And, uh, and I brought it back up later, and my dad looked at me, and he said, son, uh, are, are you going to be the one to do it? He, he wasn't that nice about it, but that's what he said. And, and I... And I I learned something that day. I'm going to remember that question for the rest of my life because of this. Uh, here, here I am doubting this qualified, schooled specialist who has hundreds of surgeries under his belt, basically is a fighter pilot, right? And, uh, and, and I'm sitting there going, man, what? We, we need somebody else. There is nobody else. And Dad said, are you going to do it? Well, let me tell you something. The, the most experience I have with surgery is separating a, uh, a deer shoulder from its joint with a meat cleaver. That's not going to do well in the heart surgery arena, okay? And so, uh, so there I am with little to no experience, essentially doubting someone who, who is going to be able to do the job that needs to be done, the emergency situation, right? And so <clears throat> as that is happening... I come to this realization with this verse. Um, 
you and I often uh, sit. Well, let me ask you this. How many of you have flown in a plane? Anybody? Have, have any of you, uh, the first time flying or maybe multiple times flying for your job, have you ever thought, uh, man, I'm so scared, I'm so worried. You know, you hear about people taking motion sickness pills and uh, you see when the plane takes off or it, you know, it bumps in the air, people grab the seat like this and they start trembling, you know. Well, let, let me ask you this. If you're sitting in seat B23, are you going to be able to fly that plane? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so, right? That pilot is the one who's doing it. He came over air. He said, this is your captain speaking. Uh, we're going to be blah, blah, blah. He tells you the deal, right? He flies the plane. You make it safely, and then you get back on next time and do the same thing, right? Well, that, that's, that is what we're talking about here in this verse. We're, we're, we're leaving um, reality behind, the reality of qualified individuals uh, who know what they're doing. We're leaving that reality behind and trying to gain control over a situation ourselves, right? And so Peter said, the solution to that is to humble yourself. You mean to tell me it's a pride issue? Wow, wonderful, right? A pride issue. It's amazing, and, and once I began sitting and thinking and praying about it, it's amazing how many things can be solved can be helped when we humble ourselves underneath our Lord and Savior. He actually says, under the mighty hand of God. David said, if God be for us, who can be against us? If we have the hand of God covering us, what, 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 what right do I have to try and possess control of something that I know nothing about, right? It's, it's humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so, we see here, my first point was that we have anxiety. It's a fact. Uh, we, we can do lots of things with it, uh, but, but at the end of the day, it's still present to some degree in our life, all of us, okay? <coughs> I should have finished shuffling my papers a moment ago. Uh, the second point that we're going to come to here is that uh, <laughs> give me a second, please. I'm sorry. There we go. We can take action. You and I can take action. You know, our, our Lord and Savior, our God, that hand that protects us, that's the same hand that holds time and space. That's the same hand that is of the transcendent God. We don't worship some uh, spare tire, right? Have any of you ever heard of spare tire Christianity where uh, <clears throat> you roll along doing fine and as soon as you hit a bump and there's a problem, one of your tires goes out, you pull God out of the trunk and, and uh, you put him on and you pray for him and it's like you know, rubbing the, the cover of your Bible so that God appears like a genie and you can make some sort of wish, right? And, and that's, that's the solution to our problems, but that's not who our God is, not even remotely. That's such a perverted, small view of who he is, it's sickening to him. God is transcendent above all. He's able to take care of our problems. He's able to cover us. And so because we know that, we can take 
action. That's the second point. We can, to, we can take action. We do this by casting our cares. We go back to verse 7 now. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, casting, that word casting, that's an interesting choice. Uh, the Greek word used for casting is the same word that's used in Luke 19, where Jesus is uh, about to come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what is colloquially known as Palm Sunday now, where the palm fronds were fanned and laid out onto the street where Jesus entered as king, right? And, and, uh, but before he did, they had to find, uh, in Luke it's called a colt, we know it to be a donkey. <clears throat> they had to find a donkey and, and, and uh, had to bring it to, to allow him to ride upon it. And before he could ride upon it, because he was entering as king, he had to have a seat. He wasn't going to sit on the bare animal. And what the people did was they cast a garment or clothing upon the top of the animal so that Jesus could sit upon it. It's, it's the same word that's casting here. What, what this is, is that this is a, a strong, active participle. It is a, a decision that one makes to cast, to throw away. This is a decision we make to use force to separate something from ourselves upon something else. And in this case, we're talking about upon God. Something else we should notice of import here is that Peter doesn't tell us to cast our troubles on him. He doesn't say, cast your circumstances on me, right? He doesn't say, hey, hey, grab all your problems and throw them at God. Rather, our cares. You know, we all have troubles, but the anxiety that is caused by those troubles are what we can put on God. There may be something in your life, a physical trouble. Maybe it's a, a bad back uh, maybe it's an unreliable vehicle, or, or it could be a person. It could be finances. It doesn't matter what it is. We, we can't throw any of those issues up into the heavens onto God, right? I can't physically grab those problems and cast them away. But the worry that we feel because of them can be placed on God. Scripture promises us that we can refuse the burden of our worry, which distracts us, and distorts reality and causes instability in our life. And we can separate it from us by placing it onto the Savior. <clears throat> so, we see this. We face anxiety. We can take action. The third thing is this. We have assurance. We have assurance. We can take action because He cares for us. God cares for you and for me. And what a wonderful thing it is to be cared for. You know, when, when Leela and I first started dating, we'd been close friends for a couple of months when I, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, we'd been close friends for a couple of months, and, uh, and then we started dating, and two weeks in, I sat her down and I said, listen, uh, <clears throat> things are getting a little real here, and before it goes any further, I need you to know that I really care about you. And uh, she took on this girly, you know, sparkly smile, and, and she looked at me with big eyes, and, and, uh, and because, because we know that 
to be cared about is just uh, just a hair's breadth away from love, right? I mean, that was the implication in that moment. And she said, well, I care about you too. And so what a wonderful thing it, it was to be cared about. I wish, I wish we still, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just, I'm completely kidding. Of course we still care about each other, right? But what a wonderful thing it is to be loved and to be cared about by people that we feel the same thing for. And so uh, re- really uh, caring, that caring though, pales in comparison to the caring that our Father has for us. Th- think about that same transcendent God that, that, that holds the sum of everything in his hand. He cares for you and I. How much did he care? How much does he care? Big concept here. The teens and I talk about it a lot. If God stands outside of time, that's why Jesus only had to die once. Because God inserted himself into time. And, and he views that event constantly. That's why the blood covers you and I. And with that, with that understanding of, of care, could you imagine sacrificing a loved one and experiencing that death constantly? And, and of course not. Those of us who have lost loved ones know that that is an excruciating thing. We are made in the image of our Father. He experiences those things probably in a much more real and raw way than you and I do. That's how much he cares for you and I. He sent his own son to die for us, and he experiences it constantly. It's a beautiful thing that he cares for us so much. If we know the forgiveness of sins, if we've accepted Jesus as our personal Savior, then the promise of Scripture says that I am God's personal concern. Praise the Lord. This direction to throw our cares upon God isn't some trite thing of misplaced confidence. You know, when we cast our cares, we're acknowledging the power of God and the mighty hand that covers us. And we should recognize that this is only possible in Christianity. This is only possible in Christianity. When Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, or Baal, or Baal, whatever you want to say, they spent hours begging their God to take actions as they self-mutilated and harmed and tried their best to gain Baal's attention. With just a few words, Elijah had God rain fire from the sky. Uh, Maybe that was a a missaying there. God didn't have Elijah do anything, uh, uh, or Elijah didn't have God do anything. Elijah requested and God acquiesced, right? Buddha taught that life is suffering. And that suffering would lead to nirvana. Allah commands his followers to sacrifice themselves to reach some perverted version of heaven. Other religions demand that struggle be placed upon the follower. Yet Peter tells us that that God cares so much for us that we should throw our cares upon him. Not that we won't struggle, but that the struggle isn't the point. We don't have to Awaken our God. He is ever vigilant for us. This is my fourth and final point. We we have a warning. If we don't cast our cares, if we subvert them, if we become anxious, preoccupied, or or dull it with something, we didn't really talk about that form of anxiety management, that self-medication, right? The... uh, the alcohol and the other things that people do to try and get rid of 
their personal issues. If we, if we become anxious, preoccupied, or we dull it with, with some other thing like alcohol or entertainment even, we may be consumed. Look at verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Once again, uh, we usually take this verse slightly out of context. It means what we say it means, but, uh, but, but when I memorized the scripture, I didn't memorize 5, 6, 7, and 8, 9. I memorized uh, just, just number 8 here. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Um, that's true no doubt the Bible says it but who's he looking for according to 1 Peter chapter 5 you see our enemy isn't foolish we wrestle not against flesh and blood right but, but Satan wants us to be anxious he loves that he loves that God's people are worried the enemy wants us distracted. He wants us off kilter. It's impossible to be vigilant when you're worried because you're distracted. It's impossible to be sober-minded if we're anxious. How, how many times have we watched some action movie where the good guy uh, squares off against the villain and, and right as they're about to start this fight that's going to determine the fate of the universe... You know, uh, right as they're about to start, this, the love interest of the protagonist walks into the field of view and the, the good guy becomes distracted and, and the villain lands some form of a sucker punch that throws everything out of whack. I mean, that's a common film and book, I would even say, trope that we're probably all familiar with. And it's crazy because... It's true, we are open to attack when we're distracted. The Bible tells us that Satan is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, stalking those who are anxious because they've not humbled themselves under the hand of their mighty God. It reminds me of uh, Mary and Martha, and I'll be quick. Jesus went to Mary's, I'm sorry, Jesus went to Martha's house. I'll probably swap those a few more times, so just hold on, okay? Y'all know the story, though. Mar Martha is, is cleaning and cooking, and, and she's doing all the chores that need to be done when a guest is over, right? All the necessary things, that's what she's focused on. She's getting them done. And Mary, her sister, who presumably came to help her with those tasks, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha marches in, finally getting fed up. She marches in and she says, Jesus, don't you understand what all I am doing? And yet Mary is lazily sitting at your feet. Can you not give her the instruction to help me? Don't you care? And Jesus said, listen, um, you are cumbered and worried about much. You see, she, she was so anxiety-ridden about having the master at her house that she wasn't able to focus on the master. Jesus said, Mary has picked the better thing, and it will not be taken from her. Now, what does this mean, right? Does this mean that, uh, that there's no room 
in kingdom work for Martha's. Praise the Lord that's not the case because we need Martha's. Amen. We need people who can roll their sleeves up and get things done. We need people who are focused on the details that some of the rest of us can't see that can help take care of those things. We need Martha's. I, I believe that that what Jesus was saying is that Mary's posture should be the heart of the service of Martha. Mary's posture should be the heart of the service of Martha. You see, when we get preoccupied with the work, we get burnt out, we get bitter, we leave, we blow up, we lose people, friendships, family. But when we remember who we're working for, when we take the time to spend time at the feet of Jesus, all that productivity isn't wasted. Rather, it's, it's put where it needs to be. The care is cast upon Jesus. You know, Mary was distracted by her chores. Peter in the Gospels was distracted by the waves when he stepped out onto the water. Circumstances and the worries that they create distract us, but praise the Lord that Jesus is just a single call away. And if Miss Robin would, if she'd go ahead and come towards the piano to play, I would ask that you hear this last thought from me, uh, disjointed as it may be. Do you know why Gen Z is riddled with depression and anxiety? If you had to guess. It's because their parents, millennials like myself, less than 50% of millennials claim to be Christian in this country. Uh, which is an, a never before seen issue in this country. If we don't believe in God, then we're not teaching God at home. We're not putting the principles of God into our children. That's why it's out of schools now, because it's no longer welcome there, because parents became offended. Did you know that only 35% of millennials attend church on at least a once-a-month basis? 35%. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I and others are forgetting what is most important. We're focusing more and more on our circumstances and not on the God that covers us. Grandparents, you can encourage your children to attend and serve in a church where they can grow in their faith. Parents, we can stop worrying about all the details and cast our cares upon him. We can set an example for kids that they can follow to live a victorious life. Teens, ignoring your anxiety isn't possible, right? But taking it and throwing it onto the Lord is. And for the kids and for the adults, we can all trust the Lord with all of our heart because He cares for you and I. Would you stand with me?
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's my prayer this morning that we could cast our worries onto you. I've seen the burdens of anxiety in so many lives. I've felt them myself and I know them to be stiflingly heavy. But Lord, help us to trust you well today, to believe that you care for us and to take those things which are not in our control and to cast them upon you. Thank you for loving us. We ask all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The altar's open.